Hi, I'm David Ahern. Welcome to Figuring Out Families. My guest today is Michael Gartland. Michael works for the Salesians of Don Bosco, a Catholic order of priests and brothers who serve the young, especially the disadvantaged and marginalised. Specifically, Michael participates in holiday camp programs for young people. Today, we talk to Michael about his experiences of family and the kids he comes across at the camps. Hello, Michael. Thanks very much for joining us here on Figuring Out Families. Before we get into uh, your involvement uh, with the youth camps, just tell us a bit about your, uh, your family and uh, your upbringing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I come from a pretty uh, big family. got five sisters and one brother. Wow. Um, we all grew up out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, Mitcham, um, out near Ringwood. Um, and then both sides of the family are similarly big. Um, so we've always had very raucous Christmases and Easter's <laughs> and all bet. that sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, some of the things, some of your childhood memories? Um, I had a good couple. Um, there's one that really stands out. It was a big family holiday up to Morrisset on Sydney's coast. And I think that was at a Christian brother's place because we had an uncle that was a Christian brother, so we sort of got that accommodation. Okay. So we all in the big van going up and you know doing fishing and all that sort of thing but yeah one of my earliest memories that I can really lock on to which was yeah a lot of fun. I did a lot of fishing too when I was young but I stopped when I was about 18 I don't know why yeah perhaps something I should start again. Yeah I yeah. think I mostly remember it because dad talked a big game about how good he is as a fisherman but I walked away with more fish on the day and I was about <laughs> six so. You, out, you outdid him many times yeah. by the sound of it. This is the, the first of many. Right, fair enough. And look, all families in this podcast series is about families, obviously. All families have issues from time to time, as we all know. Any issues that come to mind with your family? And you don't have to go too in-depth at all if you don't want to, but... Um, not really any of the, you know, you sort of hear like big traumatic sort of experiences and that sort of thing. I didn't really experience that much growing up. Um had a big family which always is a little bit overwhelming for me. I'm a pretty quiet guy, I like my space and you know some of my siblings are very clingy and that sort of thing. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, pretty. And what number are you in the family? Uh, second oldest. Second oldest. Yeah, and then so my oldest sister, she's there's a 10, 15 year age gap. So she moved out when we were probably about, when I was about 16, 17. Um, and yeah, that's about, yeah. When you're uh, oldest or second oldest, I find, because I was about fourth or fifth in the family, the, the oldest ones, they can dictate what goes on in families. Yeah, a little bit, but I also found that the, the youngest one with the puppy dog eyes gets away with <laughs> gets away with it as well. Okay, thank you. Well, I thought the youngest in our family certainly got away with blue murder <laughs> yeah, compared to the, the older <laughs> ones, but uh, that's how families uh, are, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, getting on to the youth programs, perhaps tell us a bit about how you became involved. Did you participate in a program when you were a youngster and is that what led to you volunteering later in life? Yeah, so I never went to any Salesian schools or anything like that. So my first involvement with the Salesians was down the Don Bosco camp. And I think mum just heard about that from someone else in the parish or a friend or something like that. And she probably thought, great chance to get rid of some of these kids for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so, yeah, for every holidays, summer and winter, we used to always go off to these camps. Oh, okay. So it was a regular thing yeah, for you? Yeah, it was. And it was, I had a pretty rough time in primary school and early secondary school with bullying and that sort of thing. So it was a real, like, look forward to the next time in camp. And it was a real refresher, a real break from, from like, you know, the school life. So it was a bit of an escape from the, the day-to-day uh, rigmarole of school and the bullying aspect. Yeah, and like I was always, I liked class and school itself. It was just, you know, the other older kids and that sort of thing. Because I was the youngest for my year levels and that sort of thing as well. Um, but then, yeah, so on the camps, everyone always talks about how, you know, it's the place where you can be who you really are and all that sort of thing. And, you know, you express yourself as you naturally would. And it's just a really positive environment and a really um, incredible atmosphere that just encapsulates people as they walk through. Right. Were you badly bullied at school? or? Um, it's one of those things where at the time I didn't really think of it too much. But then in hindsight, and like I've started to do a bit of work with the psychologist and that sort of thing. And, it, you know, it's a, you sort of unpack a bit more. And it's, yeah, it's more severe than I ever really realized um but yeah yeah the camps were just always like a lighthouse almost right and you obviously made new friendships through these camps yeah exactly and you know back in those days we were sort of keeping in touch using email we didn't have the mobile phones or anything like that anymore um and from there and it's sort of grown from there but i don't really i only have one or two school friends but then, so the people that I went on camp with are my main group of friends. Right. Oh, that's interesting. How many years in a row did you take part in the So camps? I first started going when I was nine and been going ever since. Um, a little less consistently now that I'm, you know, 25 to 27 working full time and that sort of thing. It's a bit harder to get right. the time off work. But, right. Yeah. And what sort of activities did you take part in? What sort of things do they organise on these camps? So the camps are pretty much purely games and entertainment for, you know, one week, Monday to Thursday or Monday to Friday, depending on if it was summer or winter. Um, and it was all just, yeah, games and activities, morning prayer and an evening prayer and a mass here and there. But, yeah, it was all just pure fun. Yep, and uh, it's boys and girls, the whole gamut, yeah. everyone's involved. Boys and girls, yep. um, junior camp 9 to 12, 13, and then senior camp 13 to 16. Right. I honestly didn't know these uh, camps still existed. I went on a camp myself when I was 10 to Kangaroo Island, uh, and that was a great experience. Uh, it wasn't a religious-run camp, but it was. Uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, but I didn't know in this day and age they still still occurred yeah it's really um really special um place and it's a really powerful place to sort of be able to be a part of and to go down to powerful in what way how would you describe that um sort of like you go through the gates at the camp and it's, you almost feel like the release of the shackles of like your day-to-day life you're just here just to purely enjoy yourself to catch up with friends to maybe make some new ones and to just really enjoy being alive so fairly relaxed it's not too regimented no and so it's not a camp like a fitness camp or anything like that you just yeah a boot camp <laughs> yeah no no, no. It's, <laughs> down on, on the bay in um, Safety Beach. So in summer, you know, you're spending a lot of time on the beach and relaxing there. Winter, you're sort of cuddling up and hiding from the cold and the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine winters would be uh, quite horrendous down there with the, the wind. Yeah, they 
can be, but they're also some of the best camps. I remember one camp we um, were playing soccer out on the field. It was a three-way soccer, so there's three teams playing. And so the idea isn't that you um, score the most goals, it's that you have the least amount of goals scored against you. Okay. And so there's 60 people on this field running around and the rain starts and then there's mud flying and it just turned into everyone slip and sliding through the mud and 60 people aged 12 to 16 in chaos. A total free-for-all. Yeah, but, you know, no one gets hurt. Everyone's just having the time of their life. Yeah. Some of the some of the benefits you've already mentioned. Overall, what are the benefits like? What you'd recommend for young people to take part in these camps? Um, you just get a real sense when you're younger of just just having fun. As you sort of grow older and you become a bit more aware, you just start to realise that there's just a real sense of belonging, acceptance, love that really um, is just so profoundly important there and you know sometimes that can be really hard to come by and it's different to the love that you get in your family um yep. it's because in the family you know there's that unconditional love but you know you might have a fight with your mum and you think you know what's going on here or but then at the camp yeah you just it's for who you are and not you know who people think you are so they, they bring out the best in you, your yeah. best qualities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I imagine there'd be some, I mean, you mentioned earlier that uh, you had a, a loving upbringing, great upbringing with your family, but there would be some young people who don't have that good upbringing, if we can put it that way. They yeah. come from fractured families or whatever. Have you met some of those youngsters over the years? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's the sort of thing where um, I actually remember I was talking to the manager um, because he was sort of the manager as I was a kid for a good 20 or so years. So then when I became a leader, he was also still the manager. And I sort of made yeah. a comment, you know, because um, the camp makes a, um, it puts a special emphasis on making sure we get kids from those sort of backgrounds, from areas where you know, living with the state or, um, you know, living with disability support or um, autism or mental health issues and that sort of stuff. Um, and I sort of made a comment when I was maybe 16 or 17 and I sort of said, you know, has it always been like this or is this just something new? And he said, no, no, there's no more or no less. It's just that now that you're a leader, you notice it. And so when you're as a, as a kid and as a camper, you don't sort of realise that there's these kids from fractured homes or anything like that. They're just you know, any other kid having a great time. Okay, well, that, that's interesting. So there's a, a clear distinction when you were a participant years ago, you didn't necessarily pick up on a, a, another child who came from a fractured family, whereas obviously as a volunteer now, you, you would. Yeah. And you're older and wiser, of course, Yeah, too. older and wiser, but then also every now and then you get kids that are like, you know, you need to know their background, you need to know their history, know their triggers and all that sort of thing. And that was, it was more that sort of thing where you'll have a kid with a, you know, a little booklet of like, you know, this child doesn't deal well with this, watch out for this, watch out for that. Sure. Yeah, and that, that was something that I just thought was totally new. But yeah, as it turned out, it would always been like that. It was just that the leaders back then were always on top of it, just as we were when we were leaders. Okay. No, that's a, is that one of the reasons you decided to become a volunteer? 
Um, the reason I decided to become a volunteer was sort of... Initially, when you're sort of 15, 16, it's just a way of staying involved, like staying in the camp. Because um, you have this, you know, seven years of the best time of your life. You don't want to just lose that. But you also sort of start to get the feeling that, you know, time to give back. I've gotten so much I can give back to these younger kids. But then it's almost like a scam because as a leader, you end up getting even more from it. And so you think, oh, well, I'll go again because I get so much. I need to give back even more and I need to give back. And you just, yeah, an yeah, endless cycle just wanting to give back. Yeah. So you, you're still involved with the winter and the summer programs? As much oh. as I can be, as I sort of mm. mentioned, it's a little bit harder to get time off work. But where I've not been able to participate as much on the camps, I've now been able to participate in wider Salesian events outside of just the camp. Okay, so what else do you do there? Um, so the Salesians there are worldwide yes. order um, and we have schools all around Australia so there's a big event called Osbosco and so that gets you know up to 200 people from all around Australia sometimes New Zealand and the Pacific and that's sort of a weekend of it's a similar to camp but then a bit more workshops and uh, content as well and that's for later high school students so we do a lot of planning around that right um, just recently we planned and organised the Kelly Aero tri Trivia Night. So Kelly Aero Project sends overseas volunteers to different um, remote communities around the world. Yep. And so we're raising money for Cambodia. Um, I'm working in Salesian social media and uh, on the Salesian Bulletin and that sort of stuff as a, as a journalist. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot that sort of okay yeah just going back to the camps again and um now as a volunteer and obviously you're aware of kids who come from troubled backgrounds who may well be troubled themselves in certain ways what sort of issues do they face do you, do you get an insight into what sort of problems they face at home um yeah it's a real um it's almost overwhelming sometimes it's also a real honor when kids do open up to you and that sort of thing um, but I've had times when, you know, kids talk about, you know, they're getting abused by their parents, like physically or something like that, or, you know, they're just, you know, you'll have a kid that'll, like, he'll be having the time of his life and then on the last day all of a sudden he'll be in tears and you think it's, oh, what's wrong? You know, you just want to miss your friends. He's like, no, I don't want to go home. I can't go home. Really? Yeah. And so that can be really sort of hard to... Very confronting, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. Hey... In some ways, that's good though. If they, they do, you know, start crying and it's coming out, that's not a bad thing. Uh, and it's ob obviously they've got something from the camp. Mm. What, what can you do for them when that sort of situation arises? Keeping in mind, if it is the last day, and there's probably not a lot you can do yeah. at that stage. There's not a lot. It's you sort of got to be able to, uh, like, you talk to the management. You know, sort of. Of course, if there's anything that needs to be reported, report that. But it's, yeah, it's just so tricky. There's not, there's only so much you can do for the four or five days. And, you know, we're not trying to, you know, change a kid's life or rescue them or anything like that. The most sure. that we can really do is just give them something to hold on to, something to look forward to for next. And do they, those kids come back to uh, future camps as well? Is there a bit of a theme going on there? Do you see the same sort of children back? Yeah, some do, um, and they'll keep coming back, and you'll actually, it'll actually be really powerful because you'll see a, 
real change in the person from when they were, you know, 10, 11 and just wild to, you know, coming back and eventually, you know, contributing, being a leader and um, that sort of thing. Others you'll just never hear of again. Right. It must give you a sense of fulfillment too that you are actually doing something really positive. Yeah. Um, and there's this one, one boy, I won't mention his name, but when we had him as a, as a camper, he was, wasn't really a pain. He just never really joined in with any of the activities or anything like that. And that was always sort of frustrating as a young leader. You know, you step in all this time, give up your time to try and get these kids playing games. He just refuses and refuses. But then over time, it sort of got to the point where we sort of realised that he was just there just to enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the, the presence. But then there was a camp where he just went out of his way to help us setting up all the games and then packing up afterwards. And for him, that was, that was enough. He didn't want to you know, play in the game or run the game or anything like that. He was just happy to pack up. Really? Oh, yeah, and it was just amazing. Right, and he—that was his—he got a lot out of the camp yeah. by just doing that. And he just felt like he was one of the crew, and it was yeah, okay. Really powerful. And you'd have to judge, I guess, fairly early on the different personalities and what girls and boys want to do and what they don't want to do, and you, you're not there to push them, as you said earlier. Yeah, and you do get a lot better than that as you get older, and you know there is a sort of balance because sometimes you know. You know, especially your teenagers, they're too cool, you know, so they, they do need a bit of a push and they need to, yeah. you want to sort of break up that sort of resistance to just joining in um, or being too cool to join in. But then there's others that, as I say, who have a lot more, um, you know, sort of mm. reasons to be a bit more withheld and a bit more held back. Yeah. Mm. Do you ever have any young people who, don't really change from the beginning of the camp to the end of the camp and you've sensed that they haven't enjoyed it or do you find really most of the time they all come out the other side really ha having had a wonderful time? Um, oh, look, you definitely get a couple here or there, but they're the ones that sort of, you know, will probably not want to come back and you don't really sort of get to follow that story up. Sure. And so it's almost like, yeah, the ones that keep coming back are the ones that are getting the most out of it, and yeah. Right. And do you think the camps help these people in strengthening their own family relationships when they go back home after being in the camp, especially if you see them again at a following camp, that they've actually done and been a positive influence in their, within their own family? Um, Oh, I like to think so. It's a bit mm. hard to say for sure without sure. seeing their family. Um, definitely the kids that come with their siblings. Yes. Um, I can say from my own experience, a thousand percent that's the case. One side of my family, like the cousins, always came on the camps. And so they're some of my best mates. Um, whereas the other side of the family, we're just not as close to. And I think going on these camps and having that shared experience plays a big part in that. Um, all my siblings have been on the camps and then one or two of them decided it wasn't for them and I don't think I'm as close to those ones as okay. the ones that, are, that do keep coming along. Mm -hmm. um, but then as to fear the, some of the kids that um, are sort of from the bit more of the fractured backgrounds. We do find that 
because some of the carers come and pick them up and drop them off before and after that even the carers look forward to the camp and that they we sort of know them by name and so do they take part in the camp as well or no they don't no. take part but they it's almost like especially for the ones that are living in a foster home or that sort of thing right like it, yeah they um like those sort of i think they've got a relationship with the management and you know as the volunteer leaders but maybe perhaps not as privy to that sort of yep information but we we do get the feeling that for these kids that they are becoming a bit more closer to those that are caring for them just by the by the way of you know you've taken me to this place that i've had such a good time at you're there at the end to take me back and yeah okay yeah that's interesting what sort of follow-up is there uh, once you've you've had the child before five days then they've gone again is there any follow-up do you send out questionnaires or surveys to to uh, the families or um there's a bit of an unknown whether or not the management and that sort of place do that but you know the leaders certainly you know. don't have any role in that okay and where do people go to find out more about the camps um, on the camp website, I think it's donboscocamp.org.au. Right. And then that's down at the, um, yeah, down at Safety Beach, so you know if you've got the right one. And a general recommendation, I know you've been involved with these for a long, long time, but obviously you've uh, got a lot out of them as a participant and now as a, a, a leader. Yeah, not to be missed. Um, especially, I think, for people that are sort of, 16 17 they have their is when they run their leadership camp and that's the camp where you sort of learn these skills and these um the skills the rules the regulations and all that sort of stuff but i think it's that leadership camp that really for the individual um you sort of really take a big step towards that transition from a teenager to perhaps a bit more mature a bit more yeah. Of an adult. Yeah. And as we know, teenage years can be problematic even if you come from a good family. That's exactly right. it. Michael, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the, the kids who do suffer from abuse. Of course, there's uh, mandatory reporting these days. Can you expand on that a bit more? Yeah, that was actually one of the things that really caught me off guard a bit um, when I was first going on the leadership camps when they were, were taught about that. And they were sort of saying, you know, you'll often get kids that say, you know, promise you won't tell anyone. And we were all advised to just tell the kid, I can't promise you that. And that was something that was really eye-opening mm. um, because I couldn't imagine, you know, telling a kid that has come to trust you that, you know, I will have to pass this on if it's yeah, severe enough. And, and you, was, you tell them that? that, that yeah. yeah, we do say, look, we like we're, we're told that that's how and we're taught that that's how it's that the procedure is if a kid says oh, i've got a secret you can't tell anyone we can't promise them to keep it a secret we and have to be upfront with them and the reaction is usually what um it's only ever happened once or twice for me um and that's in 10 years so when it, 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 it just Never, you're never sort of fully prepared for that sort of story. Um, the reaction was sort of an initial, um, the kid sort of shut up and he was like, didn't want to talk about it. So we kept talking about something else. But then I think he sort of came to the point where 
he just wanted to tell anyone. And so even though I said, look, I do have to report this if it's severe enough, he ended up passing it on anyway. Mm. It's a very important area, as we know, and uh, the rules and the, the law in this area has tightened dramatically in uh, recent decades, and so it should have. It's yeah, just very the reason. Yeah. Very important issue. And you mentioned earlier also about your own bullying experience. What sort of skills did you learn? How, how did you cope with that? Um, yeah, it was really interesting because I remember when it was, I remember being moved to schools in primary school to the other school in our parish and I was really upset when I found out about it. And I found out it was like mum was doing it because I was getting so severely bullied, but it was almost like I didn't sort of realise it at the time. And then so I was fine for a year or two after that, but then it secondary school all of those kids came back and it sort of um reignited a bit um i think the best thing you can do is just and it's sort of the advice that's only really useful if you've already got it but just surrounding yourself with really good people and that can be really hard to do when it feels like everyone's against you and you're being bullied and that sort of thing but even just for me it was just one other friend who was like you know there to say that's not on or to just even not even in the in the moment but for me to have to go to and have a good time with and forget about those worries for a little bit. Sure, and talking about it is very important, as we know. I think in years past, a lot of people didn't talk about these things, yeah. and it's led to all sorts of issues. I think the more you talk about these things, the better off. Yeah, definitely, mm. and that's something that I've really sort of, a challenge that I've met head on in the past six months or so, is that I just, again, it was, it's not that I avoided talking about it, I just didn't really feel a need to, but I've found that that is something that has got a lot of merit to unpack. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, also, you uh, you mentioned the camp at Safety Beach, but uh, for people in other states, uh, these camps are also being run? Yeah, there's a camp in Adelaide, and I believe there's a camp in Sydney. I'm not as familiar with those ones and, you know, how often they're run. Um, but... There are, on the Salesian website, um, the Salesians of Don Bosco website for Australia, they um, have all that information. And we even do have a lot of those kids that end up coming to the camps in Safety Beach, having come on Os Bosco that I mentioned before. And so there is a, a really good um, cross-pollination, I guess, with that sort of thing. We'll have leaders that go to Adelaide and they have some that come over here and you know, social media has been fantastic for facilitating that. And it's easy uh, these days. You just get on the internet and you can find things pretty pretty well, yeah, really. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Michael, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you to our guest, Michael Gartland. If you'd like more information about the Don Bosco Holiday Camp Program, go to www.donboscocamp.org.au forward slash holiday. If anything in this podcast has raised issues for you, there are organisations out there that can assist, including Relationships Australia, Beyond Blue and Lifeline, among others. Make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and remember to visit www.magellan.media for more details or to leave a comment. You can also leave a comment on our Figuring Out Families Facebook page. 
Thanks for listening. I'm David Ahern. Until next time, this has been Figuring Out Families, brought to you by Magellan Media.